Hey, Praise Chapel Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message continues our series, Reach, with Pastor Omar Lopez in the next message called Restore. Now, if you haven't followed us on Instagram or Facebook, give us a follow at PC Paramount, and then check out our website at praisechapelparamount.com. Enjoy this message. Praise the Lord. You can be seated this morning. We appreciate all of you being here today. We're glad you're here on this wonderful Sunday morning here in Paramount. How many are glad you're here today? Turn to your neighbor and say you're in the right place at the right time right now. I believe that today. and We're just excited that you're here and uh, we're encouraged by you this morning. Uh, I'm going to minister a message today. I believe it'll help you. It'll minister to you. We've been talking about our vision and uh, we revised our vision statement. We updated it, and uh, we're actually now uh, again reach, restore, and release. And we've been talking about reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, with the love of God. We were talking about restoring people into relationship with God to become committed, devoted disciples and followers of Christ. And we're talking about releasing people and empowering people to fulfill their purpose, their God-given purpose to fulfill the will of God. And so all of those things that we've been talking about, uh, if you were here last week, we talked about God reaching the lost. How many thank God that he reached you today? And the Bible talks about that we were all lost. We're like that lost sheep. We're like, we're like that lost coin and that like that lost son. And we're valuable, right? Jesus said, I came to seek and to find that which was lost. And that's exactly what Christ did. Is he came to seek and to find that which was lost. And you're so valuable that Jesus gave up all of heaven to reach you. And so we need to do all that we can to reach others. Am I right? And so I'm going to read a verse of scripture here that we just kind of been using here as kind of our theme scripture. And it's found in the book of Acts chapter 12, verse 24. God's message continued to spread and to reach people. That's what it's all about. So, Father, I pray today as I minister the word of God that people today, Lord, would receive it. God, that you'll speak into their lives and hearts, wherever state of mind and spirituality they're in right now. God, whatever physical state they're in even. God, I pray the word of God would unfold and speak and build and minister to them. God, I pray today that uh, you anoint every word that I speak and the people would hear the voice behind the voice in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. So again, I'm so glad to be able to minister this message today. And I'm going to talk about a lot of few, uh, a lot of things today, and I'm hoping to be able to get through this message. And today, this message is going to be a little hard. Is that all right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to step on a little bit of toes. Is that all right? Sometimes God needs to step on our toes, so I'm not going to apologize. I'm just letting you know, uh, put on your seatbelt, your helmet, whatever you got to do. Uh, as I minister this word today, because I believe it'll challenge you, it'll speak to you. Uh, and one of the things that Jesus did before he left into heaven, before he ascended in heaven, he gave us the great commission and, and uh, or what we call the great commission. It's a statement that Jesus made in Matthew chapter 28. And it goes like this, if you're not familiar with it. Then Jesus came and spoke to them. He said, all authority I've been given has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Say disciples. 
It says, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even unto the, or into the end of the earth. And so Jesus is saying, all of authority of heaven has been given to me. And he's basically saying today, I've commissioned you to walk and to go in this authority that I'm giving you today. And he's commanding them to obey everything that he's taught them. And throughout scripture, you'll find, especially in New Testament, he uses the word disciple. And that word disciple uh, in the Latin word is discipulos, believe it or not. And the Greek word is maietes, which means a student. That's what the word disciple is. If you ever hear the word disciple, it means a learner. It means a pupil. It means someone that's in training. And in order to get rid of old things or get a, get a hold of new things, we got to get rid of old things. Am I right? And so Jesus says that basically to make disciples of all nations, in other words, there's some things that we need to learn. There's some things that we need to pick up. And there's some things that we need to let go of. And if you know anything about human nature, is all of us have what we call a sinful nature. In fact, turn to your neighbor and say, sinful by nature. That's right. We are sinful by nature. It's nothing you have to be trained to do. It's nothing you have to be taught to do. We are sinful by nature, all of us, because of the fall of man. I'm going to talk about that in just a moment because I want to lay a foundation. Because of the fall of man, uh, in the very beginning, sin entered into the world. Uh, and along with that sin, uh, there are character traits and customs and habits that we all possess uh, that uh, we did not acquire randomly. We didn't acquire by chance, uh, but they've been inherited generationally. Let me say this again. All of us here have character traits and customs and habits that we all possess that we did not acquire randomly or by chance, but we inherited it generationally. There were things that were passed down to us through our DNA or our bloodline. We know the sinful nature has been uh, basically uh, uh, transferred to all of us, and there are character traits and habits uh, also that have been passed down through instruction. In other words, there are things that our parents taught us, that people taught us, that our family taught us. There is a way of thinking that we uh, we learn. There is a behavioral pattern, uh, things that were imparted into us, uh, and a lot of things were not even really taught, so to speak, but we caught them by example. And believe it or not, you do things that your previous generation did, that your parents did by habit, and you don't even know you're doing it. There are things, the way that you think, the way that you speak, your customs, your habits, the things that you do, traits about your life that you don't even realize. Now, we understand generational curses, but there's also generational choices, and you've made some choices in life that have affected you to this day. Now, let me give you the best example that I can. Before there was a ban on smoking. I know some of you generation, you don't even know. But they used to have a smoking section and a non-smoking section in a restaurant. Now, today you go to a restaurant that's non-smoking, especially in California. But there used to be, you'd walk into the, uh, a restaurant, and they go, do you want uh, smoking or non-smoking? And the only thing that separated the room was not a wall. It was a little sign that said, smoking section, 
non-smoking section. Literally, you could go to a restaurant and one side of the room would be non-smoking and the other side of the room would be non-smoking. Now, it's kind of silly, but if we're in the same room and you're smoking, guess what? I'm going to come out smelling like smoke just like you. It'd be like being in a swimming pool. Excuse me for using this example, but, but you would have the pee section and the non-pee section. You're in the same pool, buddy. Amen. You're, you're in the same swimming pool. And so you're going to come out smelling like smoke when you're in the same room. It doesn't matter. We learned something later on about secondhand smoke. The smoke that came from the cigarette and the smoke that came out of people's mouths. And what you don't realize is when you've been in a room so much, filled like smoke, you don't realize how much you smell like smoke until you get out of the room. You don't realize the stench that is on you. And we don't realize after we got saved, there are some things in our life that have been imparted in us generationally by habits and custom that are still with you today. The Bible says it this way in Romans chapter 5, verse 19. For as by one man disobedience, many were made sinners. Talking about Adam, that first human. Also by one man obedience, Jesus, many will be made or will, will be made righteous. So Paul is explaining to the Roman that by one sinner or by one man, sin entered into the world. All of us are sinners by nature. But thank God for Jesus, because of what Jesus did, we can be forgiven by the grace and the love of God. And so it's not a works mentality. We don't work our way to heaven. Uh, Basically, when God saves us, our righteousness is the fruit of our salvation. It's not that you're saved by your good works. You don't do good works to be saved. You're doing good works because you are saved and because God saved you and touched your life. So the Bible says, by one man's disobedience, we all became a part of that family line. The Adam family. The Adam family, right? The dysfunction. All of us have been part of the Adam family. You laugh, you mock, but we're all part of the Adam family. We're all part of that dysfunction and that sin. But thank God uh, there was a second Adam, uh, a perfect Adam, and his name was Jesus. Uh, And today, amen, although we have all these imperfections, we have his bloodline running through us. Can you say amen? And this is why today, uh, you, when you get, when you have your children, uh, you, when you, you don't have to teach your children, uh, or you have to teach your children to, to ride a bike. You have to teach your children, uh, uh, to tie their shoes, but you don't have to teach your children to lie. You don't have to teach your children to be selfish. They automatically, they say mine. Right? You don't have to teach them that. You have to teach them to say thank you. Say thank you. And they're like, oh, I don't want to say, say thank you. Say thank you. Please say. And they're like, no, no, I don't need to say thank you. You have to teach them that, right? Why? Because we are sinful by nature. We're impacted by our previous generation. It's in our bloodline, but thank God when we're born again, he gives us a new bloodline, and he wants us to learn new habits, new traits, new customs. Amen. We're not perfect, but we got the blood of Jesus flowing through our veins. And so because of all these imperfections that are still ringing in our lives today, we have to learn the instructions of Christ. We have to learn today to follow Christ, and this is why he's restored us in relationship with him to become his followers and become devoted disciples of Jesus. The Bible says this, 
In John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, But as many as received them, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So God wants to transform us into devoted disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, here's the thing. When Jesus came on the earth, he was 30, he was 30 years old when he began his ministry. And the Bible says that immediately he began to gather disciples. And I'm going to talk about discipleship. I'm going to talk about what disciples are, restoring us into committed, devoted disciples, a pupil, a student, one that is a learner. And this is the first thing that he said when he called his disciples in Matthew chapter 9. The Bible said Jesus was going down the road. There he is walking. He saw Matthew sitting at the tax collector booth. And he said, what? Come be my disciple. And Jesus, Jesus said, and so Matthew, what? He got up and he followed him. This is the same offer that Jesus is giving out in 2021. He says, come and be my disciple and follow me. Come and be my student. Come and be my learner. Come and be my pupil. Come and be my mentee. Come and be my apprentice. Come and be a follower of me, and you are going to be a fisher of men later on. So Jesus began to use this term disciple. In fact, there are four different times where we see the word disciple uh, in Scripture. And I want to just lay this foundation. Again, a disciple is anyone that is under training. Anyone that is uh, where you're, if, if you're a supervisor or if you're someone training under a supervisor, you're a disciple of that supervisor. You're a disciple of that manager. We see it throughout Scripture. Moses had a disciple by the name of Joshua. Uh, Elijah, Elijah had a disciple by the name of Elisha. David, his disciple was his son Solomon. Uh, uh, John the Baptist had several disciples. Uh, Paul the Apostle had a disciple by the name of Timothy and several other men that followed. A disciple is just someone who has been mentored by somebody else. We have leaders in this church that have been discipled, and they're discipling others. Uh, their discipleship continues. They're imparting what they've learned and the others. Also, we see the word disciple referring to the apostles. The 12 men that followed Jesus were not only apostles, but they were disciples. A third way we see it in the book of Acts, the Bible says believers were called disciples. Later on, they were called Christians. But the key thing in the book of Acts is you'll see the word disciple. And then Jesus called us all to be a disciple. How many can say amen? And he infuses this term. The, I, the thing I love about Jesus is he injects and infuses this term. He can get a simple turn, term and turn it into something that is life-giving. Uh, and throughout scripture, Jesus is saying, uh, if you do this, you're my disciple. Uh, if you do this, then you can follow me. And again, this whole series on reach uh, and this sermon today, Restore, is restoring lives in relationship with God 
in the committed followers and disciples of Jesus. And so we have to understand that everything in the church that we do, uh, every ministry that we have, every class that we have, uh, every sermon that is preached, uh, every two that we use, uh, it has to do with discipleship. We want to impart the things of God and take out the old junk out of our lives uh, and the new teachings of Christ uh, so that we can be committed and devoted followers of Jesus. So number one, write this down. To be a disciple, I have to spend time with Jesus. You cannot say you're a follower of Christ if you don't have a relationship with Christ. And so to be a disciple, you have to spend time with Jesus. Can't be a part-time thing. Can't be, well, I'm going to fit Jesus in my schedule. Uh, if you're being trained by someone, uh, if you're being mentored by someone, you're going to fit your schedule into his schedule. You can't be a disciple for, uh, uh, you're going to be a disciple in just a few minutes, in a few days. No, it's a lifetime commitment. It's a full time responsibility. And Jesus said this in John 12, 26, if you want to be my disciple, you must come and follow me because my servants, what, must be where I am. And if they follow me, the Father will honor them. So you have to position yourself to follow Christ and to be with Christ and to spend time with Christ. And you have to have make a choice in your life that you want to grow spiritually. You don't want to stay a baby forever. Can you say amen? You want to begin to grow. So write this down. You have to grow. In order to grow, you have to make a choice. And so I'm going to ask you today, do you want to be the same where you were, uh, same uh, growth area you were in 2020, or do you want to grow in 2021? You have to make a commitment to growth. Uh, spiritual growth is intentional. Uh, spiritual growth is something that you want to desire. You want to grow in your relationship with God. Uh, it shouldn't be the same place it was uh, last year or two months ago. Uh, you know, a lot of people grow old in age uh, or they grow old in age, but they never grow up. We have a lot of people, man, that they grow older in age, but their maturity and emotional level uh, is still the, like a baby. They haven't learned to grow and mature. We have a lot of people that have become adults, uh, and they're even fathers and mothers, but they still have a 17-year-old mentality. They're still just thinking about themselves. They spend the money on themselves. They don't even think about their family. They're still buying their little toys and their little things that they want. And, they, and you know, uh, they don't have any idea or care about their family. They still have a 17-year-old mentality. You have to grow. As a disciple, if you want to grow, it takes commitment. Take commitment. You have to be willing to commit yourself. As a disciple, it takes commitment. It, it doesn't take, a, a baby doesn't run a marathon as soon as it's born. It has to grow, right? It has to develop. And again, all of us this morning, we have to grow and we have to develop as people of God. And people often say, well, you know what? Uh, 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 you know, the church isn't feeding me. You know, I, I'm going to change church because I'm not being 
being fed here. Uh, well, when you grow up, you learn to feed yourself. Uh, babies are fed. Sick people are fed. Uh, are you sick? Are you a baby? Or have you learned to mature a little bit and grow a little bit uh, and say, man, I'm going to follow Christ. Uh, I'm going to stick with him. Uh, I want to commit myself and grow spiritually. So when you make commitments, you begin to grow. If you make no commitments, you will not grow. You got to make, how do we grow the most? It's when we commit ourselves. If we remain constantly uh, uh, not making commitments, you will remain constantly immature. But the way you grow is you begin to make commitments because commitments require responsibility and commitments require accountability. Your commitments define your life. Tell me what you're committed to and I'll tell you what you're about. Tell me where you spend your time. Tell me what you commit to. And I'll tell you everything about your life. And you'll wonder, why am I not growing? Why am I not developing? Because you're committed to everything else, but not the things of God. You are the sum total of all of your commitments. I told you it's going to get a little harder here. Amen. See, that's why you shouldn't be committed to everything. You ever heard that term, jack of all trades, master of none? You're committed to all these different things, uh, but you're committed to nothing in the end. Priority is the name of the game. What am I committed to? And I'm going to tell you, this church is full of some committed uh, and mature people in the house today. I'm going to tell you that today. If you were here a couple of weeks ago, we, we, we received an offering in this house for the conference. Uh, and I believe we've got like $35,000 pledged. Why? Why is that? Uh, well, because we got some mature and committed people here. They understand commitment. They understand growth. They understand purpose. They understand what God's trying to accomplish in the house. And over 30 years that I've been pastoring here, I'm intentional about seeing people grow spiritually and making commitments. As you make commitments, you gradually begin to grow. The less commitments you make, the less you'll begin to grow. Think about it. The moment you committed to, to getting married, if you're married here today, man, you, you grew quick, didn't you? The moment you decided to have a baby, man, all of a sudden you better grow up. The minute, the minute you get a job, you better grow up and learn how to be there on time, right? It teaches you all of these things. Commitments causes you to grow. And so Jesus moved people from a low level of commitment to a super commitment. Now, I'm going to show you in Scripture how Jesus gradually worked people uh, through a, a low level of commitment into a very super commitment. He gradually took his disciples through stages of commitment. Uh, that's what I believe God wants you to do. Look at the first thing that he does in John chapter 1, verse 39. He says, come and see. Because they're asking Jesus, where are you going? He says, come and see. You know what he said? Come check it out. Come check it out. They said, where are you going, Lord? He said, come and see. That's about as low as commitment as you can go, right? Just come and see. That's what we tell people in our community. That's what we tell our friends. That's what we tell our family. They said, what's going on? Come and see. Hey, what's, what's going on with your life? Come and see Sunday morning. Come and see Wednesday night. Come and see on Friday night at Connect Group. Come and see. Come check it out. And he starts with people, just come check it out. Just come and see. The second thing he does is come and follow we see this in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Come and follow me. In other words, the reason why Jesus is saying, come and follow me, is because we're going in the wrong direction. We're sinful by nature. 
we're naturally going in the wrong direction. So he says, make a U-turn and come follow me. He said, come check it out first. And then he says, come and follow me. In other words, I'm going to give you direction. As the relationship went on and on, he began to tell them, when you're following me, I'm going to meet your needs. I'm going to read several scriptures, write it down. Matthew 11, he said, if you're tired, come to me and I'll give you rest. John chapter 7, if you're thirsty, come and follow me and drink. Come and follow me and have life. John chapter 5, John chapter 10, those that come to me will be saved. He's constantly inviting them because he wants to meet their need. And I love John chapter 21, verse 12 come and have breakfast. Anything with food in it, I'm in. Hallelujah. There's some of the best discipleship that takes place. It's over food. It's over a meal. It's over fellowship. So Jesus said, come and have breakfast. And then he goes on and he requires a little bit more of their commitment. And he's helping them grow. And this is what he said in Mark chapter 8. He says, come and deny yourself. Come follow me. Let the dead bury the dead. Come take up your cross in Luke chapter 9. Luke 14. You can't be be my disciple unless you give up everything. Matthew chapter 9, give away what you've got and come and follow me. There's more and more required as you begin. There's more commitment that God expects from us. Somebody say amen. This is the way it works. And the third thing about spiritual growth is he teaches us about relationships. Say relationship. It's a relationship with God. It's not a ritual. It is not a religion. When we follow Christ, it is out of relationship. We love God. We build this rapport with God. We build this trust. It is talking about prayer. Say prayer. You're talking to God every day. I've learned something about prayer. Most of the time, I'm not getting a, a verbal, uh, uh, you know, God's not speaking to me verbally where I can hear him, but he speaks into my heart. As time has gone, I've learned that God puts ideals in my mind. God puts, uh, when I'm inspired, I know it's the God thing. When it's a temptation, I know it's the devil thing, right? Uh, but when God inspires me, when God speaks to me, I can clearly know that it's God speaking to me. And I've learned how to talk to God. This is why the verse says this uh, in, in the book of Mark chapter 3. that The plan was uh, that they would be with him and that he would send them out. To proclaim the gospel. So number two, write this down. If I want to be a disciple, I must love Jesus more than anybody else or anything else. See that level of commitment? First he said, come and see. Come follow me. And and then he said, you got to love me above everything else. That's what restoring our relationship with God is. That's what becoming a disciple is. Let me read the scripture to you, Luke 14, 26. If you want to be a follower, you must love me more than your own father, your mother, wife, children, brothers, and sisters, your tia Concha, your uncle George, whoever it is, yes, more than your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be what? My disciple. He's saying uh, that you love God. Uh, your love for God is so intense uh, that everything is second in comparison. It doesn't mean you don't love people. In fact, when you love God, you learn how to love people. Am I right? But it's saying that he is supreme, that God is above everything else. Uh, 
And let me just say this for some of you men that are here. There's nothing more rewarding. There's nothing more that you can give to your family than to be a worshiper of God and putting God first. You will bring a security in your wife and in your family when you are a worshiper of God and you put God first. And just as Jesus gave his life to the church, the Bible says our husbands are supposed to lay down their life for their wives and their children. If you want to grow in your spiritual maturity to God, you got to put God first today. And John 14, 21, those who accept my commandments and obey them are, are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. So spiritual growth is measured by how much you love God. If you truly say you're growing, then you're going to love him where he's number one in your life. A byproduct of your love for God is going to be your obedience. Am I right? He said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. It's not measured by how much you know. It's not measured by how much revelation and skills you have, how good you dress. Your spiritual maturity is measured by how much you love God and how much today you're walking in his obedience. Well, you guys are quiet out there. And so in Mark chapter 12, it says the most important commandment is you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind and all your strength. So simply, we are putting God first in everything we do. Number three, write this down. If you want to be a disciple today and grow spiritually, you have to learn to love other disciples. You have to learn to love one another. This is where it gets a little bit harder. This is where it, it's easy to love God because he's perfect. But it's harder to love others because they're imperfect. Just like you're imperfect. See, this is the thing where I always get with people because people are always saying, you know, how, you know, I love God, but, but I hate the church. Then you're not a disciple. Then you're not a follower of God. Because the family of God, it's God's family. Can you say amen? And notice, Jesus is always saying the if you're my disciple. It's conditional. Look at what he says in John chapter 12 or 13 verse 35. If you have love for one another then everyone will know that you are my disciple. So he said, not just love for me, but love for each other. And again, I, I often talk to people and they say, I love Jesus, I just don't like the church. I just can't stand the church. And people, people they always talk about church hurt. Man, I got church hurt. Join the club, we've all been hurt by the church, come on. Let me just tell you a simple fact. Can I just be honest? Somehow you, you got this crazy expectation of this perfect church. It doesn't exist. And that everybody's so perfect. Can I just be honest with you? Whenever you're in a group with people, wherever you're connected with people, they will hurt you. Your coworker will hurt you. Your best friend will hurt you. Your neighbor will hurt you. Man, your own family will hurt you. Uh, your dad will hurt you. Your mom will hurt you at some point. Uh, your own kids will hurt you. Why are you surprised that somebody in church will hurt you when they're broken and, and busted and disgusted just like you? Can you say amen? We have these false expectations, unrealistic expectations of people. You're just as broken, and you've hurt people just the same. I can't believe they hurt me. I can't believe you hurt them. Whether intentionally or unintentionally. 
How many people that you hurt, you didn't even know you hurt? You said something to them that they're hurt by your words. And you thought, I didn't mean anything. It didn't matter. You hurt them. I didn't mean to do it. Don't matter. You still hurt them. They're still wounded by what you said. You didn't call them back. You ignored them. You didn't respond at the right timing. You, they saw the bubble, but nothing came out. Amen. Uh, on on, the, on the, all these imperfections. Why? Because we're ordinary, imperfect people. Uh, that's why Jesus came to die for unperfect people. Uh, and so there's two things that are going to last in the world, uh, in, in the whole, uh, going to outlast the world. It's going to be the word of God in people. The family of God, the people of God will outlast this world. Eternity, we're going to, at the end of the day, it's going to be the church and the word of God that's going to outlast everything. So it'd be like saying, you know what, again, when we say we love God, but we hate the church, how many realize that the church is the bride of Christ? It's like coming up to you and saying, man, I love you, man, but I hate your wife. She's just, I just hate her. I'd be offended. What do you mean you like me? Yeah, but I, I can't stand your wife, man. I can't just... That's the, the Bible says uh, that the church is the bride of Christ. You're insulting his bride. You're not a true disciple. You don't know what discipleship is. You don't know what being a devoted fan. If you love God, then you will love his church. Here's what the Bible says in 1 John 4, 20. It said, if someone says, I love God, but hates his Christian brother or sister, that person, what, is a liar. Don't tell me you love God and hate the church. You're a liar. You don't love God. For if we don't love people that we can see, how can we love God whom we, whom we have not seen? So if you love God, then you love the family of God. This is the family of God is where you learn how to be a disciple. You cannot be a disciple in isolation. Do you know the only religions that get closer to God in isolation is Buddhism, Hinduism, all these people that go off in a mosque, they want to get away from all the unholy people because they're so sacred and perfect. We know that's a lie. The Bible teaches us that we love one another, okay? That, that's how Christianity is displayed, is that we love one another and we connect with one another. It's not so much Bible knowledge. It's not so much, you know, sometimes we're, all we do is listen to radio preachers. Thank God there's some good ones out there, but you're never, you're never going to practice love by listening to people on the radio. You got to get around people. You got to iron sharpens iron. The Bible said Jesus was out in the marketplace. He was out in weddings. He was out connecting with people. In fact, they called him a drunkard. They called him all kinds. He was a party animal. Amen. He was around people. And this is where fellowship and where our lives are shaped and molded when we're connected with other people. See, the reality is you're not going to learn to, you're not going to know everybody in every role in this church. But you can connect with a few people and feel connected. Can you say amen? This is why we have connect groups. We have connect groups. Connect groups are the place where you can learn to love each other, have relationships. You can learn how to forgive each other too. You can learn how to overcome some things in your life. You can be encouraged too, am I right? These connect groups will help you. See, see the, 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 the Sunday service is the tip of the iceberg. Okay, the, uh, the Wednesday night service is the tip of the iceberg. You ever seen an iceberg? Uh, what, the size of the iceberg is what's really underwater. 
What you're seeing right now is the tip of the iceberg, but what you see underneath is really what keeps this church together. It's our connect groups, it's our prayer groups, it's our time connecting with people. What really happens, and I want to encourage you to get involved in a home group where you can get connected with people and you can become a true disciple. Number four, are you ready for this? When I'm a disciple, I'm going to do what Jesus tells me to do. It's not the most popular thing. It's going to cost you something to obey the teachings of Christ. Look at in John chapter 8. If you continue to obey my teaching, then you are truly my disciple. It's not a one-time thing. It's a continuation. Then you will know the truth, what? And the truth will make you free. It's a development. It's going to take you a lifetime. I've noticed people that have been saved 20, 30, 40 years, but they're still immature. They still have their gossipers, their haters. They do, they have resentment in their life. They haven't grown wise because they haven't continued in his word. Yeah, they received Jesus in their life, but they haven't developed. They haven't grown. They're not even free from a lot of things. They have all these hangups and all this stuff. Here, here's the other thing that really gets me. Are you ready for this? And that's why I encourage you to take notes. Uh, they say that 90, 95% of what you'll hear today in 72 hours, you'll forget 95% of it. Did you know that? That's a fact. That's a study. That by time when they come, you will have forgotten 95% of what I said today. That what did pastor preach on? I don't know about smoking, something about smoke. That's all, that's all I remember. Don't smoke. <laughs> Bad for your health. That's the sermon. You know... Yeah, I use smoke, but it's not about smoke, okay? Amen. See, sermons are not good enough to get you in discipleship. If you continue to obey my teachings, what? Then you're my disciple. We need to shut up and obey. We need to shut up and learn how to obey God's word. It's not knowledge. The Bible says knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. So it's not having more knowledge. It's learning how to practice the love. And the Bible says the truth, what? will set you free. You're going to be free as you what? Continue in his word. And then the fifth thing, are you ready for this? When you're a disciple of Christ, you learn how to serve others unselfishly. I believe this is the key to, to everything. It really, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, what did the Bible say? Look at what, what did it say in Mark chapter 10. But it shall not be so among you. Whoever will be great among you must be your servant. And whoever among you would be the greatest, what must be the servant of all. You all must be fighting for the bottom if you want to be great. Not fighting for the top. Bible says if you, uh, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, we should be a servant of all. This is spiritual development. God's kingdom values are opposite of the world's value. The world's value is all about me. Numero uno, me, me, I deserve the best. It's all about me. But what? The kingdom of God, it's about others and serving others. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but I come to serve. If you're a leader, if not people serving you, is you're serving others for the kingdom of God. And the problem is this. We find significance in all the wrong places. And really, it should be in serving others. We think it's our salary. We think it's our success. No, it's serving serving learn how to serve others learn how to serve unselfishly learn how to love others the bible says this again for even i the son of man came here not to be served in matthew 20 28 but to serve others what and to give my life a ransom for many two words there to serve and to give 
As the Christian, you ought to be serving and you ought to be giving. Uh, when you minister to others, you are serving and you are giving. Uh, every ministry that we have here in this church is to serve and to give to others and to help others. In fact, next Sunday, we're going to have a ministry sign up. It's time we get in ministry again. It's time that we serve again. This pandemic has killed the serving, man. This pandemic has killed all of that stuff. We're going to get back into serving others. We're going to get back into ministering to others. We're going to open up ministries again. We got our Sunday school getting opened up again. We're going to serve again, our greeters, all of that. We need to get back in gear and get off of our rear. Can I say, can you say amen? We need to say, what can I do for the kingdom of God? Spiritual growth requires sacrifice. I told you it's going to be a little hard today. Amen. It's about denying ourselves. Matthew 16, 21. If anyone wants to be my disciple, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow him. Where is the self-denial? When the last time you denied yourself? And the last thing you're going to be a disciple of Christ is you got to be willing to tell the good news. In Matthew 4, 20, Jesus called out, come, be my disciple and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and went with Christ. If you're not fishing, you're not following. If you're not fishing, you're not a disciple. Who are you telling about Christ? Who are you inviting? Who are you saying, come and see? Who are you praying for? Let me ask you this question. Is anyone going to heaven because of you? Is anyone in this church because of you? Have you ministered to someone? Have you invited someone? Have you prayed for someone? Have you denied yourself to say, you know what? I'm not only a follower, but I'm a fisher. I'm bringing people in the kingdom of God. We got to get over casual Christianity. We got to get over being a baby Christian anymore. We got to learn how to mature. We got to grow up a little bit. We got to learn how to reach, restore, and to release. How many can say amen? God wants to empower you. God wants to empower saints of God. And it's time at some point in our walk with God where we get serious with our walk with God and say, I want to become a man and a woman of God. I don't want to be this immature baby. I, I need to stop living in fear. And I, I, I need, a, a, amen, to get up and do something for God and get it in gear. Can you say amen? I'm going to get it in gear for the kingdom. I'm going to be a disciple. I want to be restored into a committed follower and devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Why don't we bow our heads for a moment here? Father, in the name of Jesus, all over this house, God, today, we want to be your disciples. We want to be committed followers, devotional followers today. We want to be the, that pupil. We want to be that learner, God. Lord, today, we don't want to play casual Christianity. We don't want to play this Christianity, God, where it's just a bunch of games. It's just something we just do on Sunday. This is not a part-time thing. God, this is not just something we do on Sunday, but the rest of the life is our life, we just do whatever we want to do. God, you're, you're demanding commitment if we deny ourselves. That God, that's where freedom comes. It comes, Lord, as we surrender our hearts to you, as we make our commitment to you today. So, Father, reach across this room right now, even those that are watching online. God, we want to become committed and devoted followers and disciples of Jesus Christ today. So, Lord, minister to lives that are in this house right now. Maybe you're here right now, even as I'm speaking, 
Maybe someone invited you. Maybe you're listening online. You're watching online today. But you're not really a committed follower of Christ. You believe in God. You believe in the Lord. But you've not really committed your life to him. You're not really devotedly following God. And today God is saying, come follow me. You've already done to come and check it out. Maybe you've been here before. Maybe it's your first time here. Maybe someone invited you. You came to check it out. And now God says, come follow me. God wants you to follow him. God wants you to commit your life to him. Don't leave this place without God. Why did Jesus say, come and follow me? Because you're going the wrong direction. I said it earlier. By nature, we're sinful. In fact, the Bible says we're like sheep wandering off. Sheep wander by themselves. By nature, they will wander. They will literally go off a cliff. Because the Bible says we're like sheep have gone astray, every one of us. Every one of the Bible says we're all sinners and we fall short of the glory of God. We can't make it into heaven on our own. We need God's forgiveness. And here's the wonderful thing about the grace of God, the love of God, is he's reaching out to you. That's what we're talking about. God is reaching out to you. Right now, if you're watching online, if somebody brought you here, if you came on your own, however it may be, you may say, well, I just came on. No, it's the Holy Spirit that reached out to you today and brought you here. You didn't come on your own. Spirit of God brought you here. Holy Spirit put that idea in your mind, and you decided to obey. You made a choice today to come. But I'm here to tell you there's a God in heaven that loves you, cares about you because we're all lost. I talked about that. We have been lost for a long time, but today you can be found. God's grace is reaching out to you this morning. If you're in this room right now, maybe you're online, you say, Pastor, I need the Lord in my life. I need to commit my life to Jesus. I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Who are you right now? Raise your hand real quick. Say, that's me, Pastor. Right here. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else right here? Anybody else? Somebody else right here? God bless you. Somebody else? Somebody else over here? God bless you. Anyone else? You're not going to be alone today. There's several people that have raised their hand. And I appreciate your honesty today. I appreciate all these people today that have raised their hand. But is there somebody else right now? You're sitting in this room. Are you willing to deny yourself and follow him? Are you willing to thank you back there? God bless you. God's waiting for you. Who else? Are you willing to deny yourself? See, the reality is this. You're going to be standing before God by yourself. And I tell you that because it's real. I'm not here to scare you. I'm here to tell you reality. You're going to stand before God one day. Every single one of us. The Bible says that John saw the small and the great, the poor and the kings of the earth before the throne of heaven. And God in heaven was judging them. Today, I don't want God to be my judge. I want him to be my savior. And he wants to be your savior. Choose today who you're going to serve. Raise your hand. You haven't raised it up already. Say, Pastor, I need the Lord in my life. I need Jesus in my life. Who are you? Raise your hand real quick. Anybody else? Anybody else? Maybe you were once walking with God. Back over here. Thank you. God was waiting for you. Who else? Who else? Several people. Who else? Maybe you were walking with God and you're away from God today. And you know what it is today. You've been away from God. You know what it is to be. You, you, you relented on your commitment. But God says, come on, follow me. Come back. The Father's been waiting for you. He's waiting for you to come back home. Who are you? Raise your hand. Say, Pastor, I need to rededicate my life to the Lord. God bless you over there. Several, several people. Thank you. See, you're not here by coincidence. 
You're not here by coincidence. It's too coincidental to be a coincidence. That's the Holy Spirit. And I say that today because my heart goes out to you. Because I know what God can do in your life. I know what God can restore in your life. And I know what the enemy's trying to rob. He's trying to rob your destiny. But God wants to give you a new destiny, new purpose today. Raise your hand if you haven't raised it up already. Is there anybody else right now all over this room? God's waiting for you. If you raise your hand, look up at me real quick. You mean that, bro? You mean that? You mean that back there? Over there? Back over there? Would you do me a favor? Would you stand to your feet and just come meet me right here? Come on, just stand to your feet. It's all right. Just come. Just come right here. We're not here to embarrass you. Just come right now. God bless you, bro. God bless you, man. What's your name? Stevan, God bless you, Stevan. Amen. Praise God. We have several people. They're going to pray with you, too. We're all going to pray together. Several people are coming. God bless you. God bless you. Good to see you. Amen. Some more people. Who else? Come on, let's give these people a hand. People coming forward today. Is there anybody else? Anybody else? God bless you. God bless you. More people that are coming. Thank God. You're not alone. You're not alone. Is there anybody else right now? We don't want you to leave the same way you came in. But I'm excited when people give their life to the Lord right now. Why don't we all bow our heads together? You came right now. You came forward. Bow your heads. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give you the words to this prayer. And I want you to say this prayer to God. Don't say it to me. Okay, I want you to repeat this prayer with me right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me and rose again. I ask you, Lord, come in my heart. Forgive me of all my sins. Make me a new person. From this day forward, I will serve you. In Jesus' name. Let's pray for them. Father, we thank you today. Let your grace, let your power, God, today come into their lives today. Why don't we stand together out there today? Holy Spirit, we thank you. You know what? Before we even start, let me. I want to challenge you. Some of you need to raise your level of commitment today. You know what? You're following Christ, but, but God is saying there's more in you. There's more commitment today that God wants out of your life. You need to make a commitment to ministry today. Some of you, God wants to use you in ministry. You need to make a commitment right here in this house. To say, I'm going to commit myself to this house and what God's doing here. And this vision and what the Lord's doing here. I'm going to commit myself to come to church. I'm going to commit myself more to God. Areas of my life. I'm going to open this altar. And they're going to lead us in worship here. Amen. You come as the Lord has spoken to you. God challenged you this morning. Just come. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount. Or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.